Welcome back to the CBJ Show. If you're new and you want to know what CBJ stands for, well, we usually have three hosts, Cam, myself, Brandon, and Jason. Fortunately, Cam will not be with us live, but he has a pre-recorded NHL segment that we will uh, uh, share with you as well. Um, so that's what CBJ stands for. This week, this week's episode, we're going to talk about NBA, NFL, NHL, and the recaps, what's happening. We're going to have a lot of discussions and uh, predictions and more, all on episode 10 of the CBJ Show. That's it for me and my quick little intro. I'm going to send it off to Jason for a quick NBA report. Okay. We are now in the NBA Finals. Last episode, we were in the Conference Finals. We're in the East. The Heat led the Celtics three games to two. In the West, the Lakers led the Nuggets three games to one. The Heat ended up winning uh, game six against Celtics to advance the NBA Finals, as well as the Lakers winning game five to advance the NBA Finals as well. This means that LeBron James will be taking on his former team, the Miami Heat. So far, the Lakers lead game uh, three games to two with game six tonight on Sunday. More coaching news. Doc Rivers is no longer the head coach of the LA Clippers, is now coaching the Philadelphia 76ers, were coached by Brett Brown last season. That'll do it for the brief NBA update, and now we will head on to an NHL update with Cam. Yes, the Stanley Cup playoffs is now over, and your 2020 Stanley Cup champions are the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Lightning defeated the Dallas Stars in six games to be your newest champions. The NHL draft also happened in recently with the New York Rangers having the first overall pick selecting left-wing Alexias Lafreniere. In the second pick, the Kings selected Quinton Byfield as center. Both those selections look great and should fit perfectly with those teams. The third overall pick was the Ottawa Senators who picked center-slash-left-wing team Tim Stultz. Stultz is also a great player, and the fourth overall pick by the Red Wings was Lucas Raymond, also a forward. And the fifth overpick being the Senators again, selecting the top highest ranked U.S. player, defenseman Jake Sanderson, out of the U.S. development program. All these selections look good, and NHL is selected to get a try and get a return day from next season, being January 1st. And we hope we can see another good season, but as for now, your champions are the Tampa Bay Lightning. Back to you guys. All right. Thanks, Cam, for that NHL update. Uh, we missed you here in person, but still glad you can uh, join us in some way. Uh, my NFL update is going to be much longer than NBA and NHL because I have to talk about all the injuries. I, I like it, though. We've had so many injuries uh, from QBs to wide receivers, defense to players getting COVID, and also coaches. It's been a roller coaster of weeks uh, from the last episode we've had. And the biggest news is both Pats and Titans have had positive COVID-19 tests. As you probably heard uh, from Adam Schefter, Field Yates, and Ian Rappaport, they've all reported that those uh, teams um, have had positive cases and those teams are doing well to close the facilities, having virtual meetings, and trying to keep as lim limited people uh, 
tested positive as possible. This week, uh, this morning, you may have heard the news. Uh, week five is going to start uh, started Thursday. Uh, the Patriots game against the Broncos got moved to Monday. But uh, you, this is a new update this morning. That game has been shifted to week six. Uh, that's the Patriots bye, so they will have a bye this week as long, along with the Broncos. And um, schedule later is up in the air as teams have different buys. We may see for the first time a week 18 with all the extra games. So we'll talk about that later, uh, either in this episode or a future episode, uh, if the NFL should include an extra week to um, help with these extra games. Uh, that game postponed. Uh, the other game, the Titans and Bills, have been pushed to uh, Tuesday, but this morning there's a chance that that game will not happen as another coach in Tennessee tested positive. So unfortunate to see and hear all these players testing positive, and we hope they will all get better. Our NFL injury report. Uh, Jimmy G in the 49ers, and uh, talk about that. They have a big game <laughs> um, after coming off their 25-20 to 20 loss at, over the Eagles last week. They're playing the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Jimmy G is active, and uh, you should start him. And um, I would recommend starting him over your other quarterbacks because he is healthy. You don't have to worry about that. Also, Raheem Monster is still in questionable. He will probably not get some, uh, probably not play. If he does play, he will be limited snaps. Uh, you'll see Jared McKinnon getting the run, uh, rush, uh, running back position today. Wide receiver Debo Samuel, who has been out uh, since the start of the season, is healthy again. Uh, he had a little illness this week, but is good to go. Uh, so start him as well. Sam Darnold on the Jets, he's out. Drew Locke, uh, they were supposed to play this week against the Patriots. He wasn't going to play. Uh, he is questionable for week six. Uh, Saquon Barkley, we mentioned, he's out for the year. Um, Nick Chubb, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eagler, Sony Michelle, all on IR. Uh, no more than three weeks should those uh, players miss, but I wonder how much more. Um, Le'Veon Bell, he will be active today in their Jets uh, game, uh, 4 o'clock game, so you can play him. Uh, Michael Thomas is questionable still. Julio Jones is out. That is tweeted by Adam Schefter this morning. Chris Godwin missed Thursday night's football game against the Bucks and probably will be out for week six. Uh, Devontae Adams is questionable. A.J. Brown, also questionable, but but because their game is on Tuesday, I would expect him to play. Cortland Sutton for the Broncos is on IR. Chase Young, defensive end for Washington football team, is out. Um, uh, probably won't play, but we'll probably see him active by next week. Um, and those are just uh, some of the list of who's been um, injured. For this week, uh, week two, week three, and week four, we've seen so many injuries. And 
one of the things is no preseason has impacted injuries. So I wonder how many more injuries we'll see. Um, hopefully, uh, with all the bye weeks and the positive COVID tests and the reschedule of games, uh, you still are able to play fantasy football. Uh, it's definitely a weird season, but uh, we're going to continue. Uh, NFL is trying its hardest to continue playing games. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, those games to uh, in the future will be uh, determined when it will be played. Um, and that will do it for my NFL update. Going to be joined by Jason in a sec to discuss NBA. All right, our first topic is what are our thoughts on the Lakers to wear the Kobe Bryant uniforms instead of their normal jerseys? We've seen them debut these jerseys earlier in the playoffs in the Trailblazer series, and they actually just wore them in game five in the NBA playoffs. So in the NBA finals, excuse me. And Brandon, what do you think about the uh, Lakers wearing the Kobe jerseys? Is this a good decision? Yeah, I think the Lakers wearing the Kobe jersey is definitely good. And it's, it was so sad to see this past January. It was actually during the Pro Bowl of the NFL, if you remember. Around January, end of January was when Kobe Bryant died. He wore both 8 and 24 for the Lakers, the black and gold. And it's really nice to see the Lakers paying respect to a great legend. Yeah, definitely got to agree. Uh, he's um, arguably one of the greatest Lakers of all time, if not the greatest in some people's opinions. Um, obviously, like Brandon mentioned, horrible event. I can't believe it's been like almost nine months now, which is hard to believe we've lost this legend for this long. So just honoring him. And I'm hoping, like, even though I do respect the Miami Heat, if the Lakers do win it, they're probably going to show like a lot of dedication to Kobe, which as an NBA fan, I would really like to see. But just wrapping the Kobe jersey, it means a lot not only to Lakers fans, but to NBA fans in general, just honoring uh, this great. All right. Uh, like both Jason and I mentioned, Kobe was such a great legend, and no matter who wins, uh, Lakers or the Heat, both teams should and probably will pay respect to Kobe. Uh, speaking of game six, which is tonight, uh, any, uh, just want to make it clear, this was filmed this uh, Sunday morning, October 11th, early in the morning. So when we talk about fantasy football or any of our predictions, this is before any games happen. We just want to make that clear because some people have said, oh, you've said it after. That's not fair. So we just want to make that clear. But Jason, I'm going to ask you, what do the Lakers need to do to close out game six? In my opinion, they need a third player to step up. We've seen LeBron Anthony Davis drop 25-plus points in pretty much every game. There's only been, like, a few down games for them. They're always going to go off. But we need to see a third player show up. Like we saw in Game 5 at the end of the game, I don't even know what was happening. Danny Green misses a wide-open three. Markeith Morris gets a wide-open look, just throws it out of bounds. They're just playing careless basketball. They need a third player to play smart basketball. Uh, I think that Contavious Caldwell Pope, he was drilling threes like crazy uh, throughout the series. He has potential to be that, but 
someone like Kyle Kuzma, who averaged a lot of points last year. I'm really surprised about the step that he took down this year. And I think Kyle Kuzma is the guy that needs to step up in game uh, six. Your thoughts, Brandon? Yeah, Kyle Kuzma and Caldwell Pope and like the others you mentioned, they need to step up. The Lakers aren't a two-man team. NBA, uh, basketball is a five-man team sport. It's a team sport. There's no, uh, I've told, people have told me this when I was playing and I tell people all the time, there's no letter I in team. It's P-E-A-M. So not one or two players should be doing all the work. It should be a team. Like uh, Jason mentioned, I think, and Jason and I mentioned, I think the Lakers will win in game six. But there's a potential for the, Miami Heat to uh, force the game seven. And we saw against the Celtics series and the Bucks and the Raptors before coming to the NBA finals, they only lost three games, which is really good. Even the Los Angeles Lakers did not lose, lost more games than the Heat. Heat went up against the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks in the second round, only lost one game and they lost two games to the Celtics. They're a great team, but Unfortunately, before the game one or game two, they had so many injuries and some of them were not as healthy for the rest of the series. And we've seen that as that has had an impact. He'd have won two games, like Jason mentioned, scoring game six, but do they have enough to win two more? They definitely do have the potential. A lot of this depends on the health of their point guard, Goran Dragic, who has been out for most of the series. He has been going off in the playoffs. He's had a lot of 20-point games, a big part in the Celtics series as well as the Bucks series. But um, I think that they need to play their uh, main guys a lot of minutes. I think that they did a great job with that in game five as they did a seven-man rotation when they normally do nine or ten. And Jimmy Butler played 47 minutes out of the 48. I heard he was out for just like 48 seconds of the entire game. They need to keep doing that. Jimmy Butler, you need him on the court. He is a team player. He's a winner. If you don't have someone like that on the court, if you're the Miami Heat, uh, you're not going to get a lot of success. And he's been dropping crazy stats, triple doubles, 40 point, 30 point, whatever. He's been going off. But um, they definitely do need another score. Tyler Hero has shown some signs of it, especially in the Celtics series. He had a huge game. Um, Bam Adebayo is a great defensive threat. He needs to have another 30-point game if the Heat want to win it all. And um, one of the big surprises, this guy needs to keep it up. Duncan Robinson, uh, I'd say he's a three-point specialist. I believe he had like 26 points in game five, seven three-pointers made. And if they can get just some high-volume scores, nobody's stopping the Miami Heat. They are a very deep team, despite them playing a seven-man rotation. So... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat can push to a game seven. But like we mentioned, Lakers need a third star to step up. It's not going to take too much. The Lakers can do it. They should be able to win. So this is definitely going to be a great series. And game six tonight is going to be a huge game in NBA history. That is definitely correct. Game six tonight is a huge game, no matter uh, who wins. We got some breaking news right uh, this morning during our podcast. And uh, we don't usually talk a lot about tennis. Tennis doesn't get a lot of love here. But uh, this is one uh, big news and uh, breaking news. And Rafael Nadal defeats Novo- Novik Djokovic uh, for 
uh, the third straight time. Uh, and it's the third time he has lost. Uh, it's the 13th career fresh, uh, French Open title uh, for Rafael Nadal. And uh, he ties Roger Federer's record for Grand Slams at 20. And uh, earlier we saw Djokovic uh, was the number one uh, seed in the U.S. Open. And uh, crazy how uh, he's gone downhill. Uh, so, you know, send it back to Jason for the NHL. All right. We have a few topics for the NHL. We're going to start with uh, some news that Commissioner Gary Bettman announced this week that 2021 season will begin around January 1st, 2021. So we want to talk about if this date is too early to restart and if it is too early, when should this season start? Like how far should it be pushed back? Uh, I would probably say January 1st is around good time. We've uh, also uh, heard ABC interviewed Adam Chef, um, sorry, Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, for uh, Game Three this week, and he also said January first is their tentative date for the third season. And both Batman and Silver said the biggest thing we want is our fans. The fans are so important to the game; they change the game. The crowd is just so much of the game. It's like how uh, Seattle Seahawks talk about the fans of the twelfth player. Uh, the fans are really that sixth player in basketball. <laughs> or you could say uh, 11th and 12th, <laughs> no matter if you count for one team or both. But January 1st may be a teeny bit early to have fans in the stands. If both leagues want to have fans, they need to push it back a little bit. One thing that comes in mind is how much farther you push back and that forces everything else. NHL and NBA All-Star games are going to get pushed back. Are they really going to happen? Who knows? We have, and then playoffs. We saw this year, uh, the NBA Finals is still going on. It's ending in October. This is so unusual. It usually ends in June. We've never had it before. And playoffs were in September. It's just a different ball game. I think that is one concern about both Silver and Bemin is we want to have fans, so we need to wait until it's safe. But we also can't wait too long because uh, because then the season gets too long and playoffs start to go a little long. And the season's like five, six months, and uh, it's a little long. Jason, your thoughts? I personally think that, like Brandon mentioned, January 1st is a good target date. However, it might be too early to get fans in, as uh, both commissioners of the NBA and NHL mentioned that their main goal is to have fans in the arenas. Um, if they were to start that early, I would probably see them using another bubble format. But even though bu the bubble has worked very well with um, pretty much no COVID cases for a few months, I still think that their main goal, like we've mentioned before, is to have fans. So the um, if they want to have fans, they cannot do a bubble again. It's very successful, but they need to get fans in the arena. Um, they're very impactful to the game. Some people think that this NBA Finals or Stanley Cup Finals would be different with fans. Like people think that the Miami Heat would not have made it this far and maybe the Milwaukee Bucks would have made it if they had the fans and like the momentum in the season. 
in the NHL, people were saying the Bruins, they were, uh, they had the President's Trophy. They were on pace for a very good record and they didn't make it that far. So um, going back to the main topic, Gary Bettman's date is good, but a little bit too early. And Silver announced, we've seen our bubble, like Jason mentioned, the NBA bubble had barely any COVID cases. MLS had a small bubble this July, barely any COVID cases. We've seen NFL, MLB, two uh, leagues did not have bubbles, and there's been so many COVID outbreaks. Like I mentioned earlier, the Pats, the Titans, it's like every day someone else, someone new tests positive. That's something a bubble does not have. But like Jason mentioned, we want fans. Both leagues want fans. The fans are part of the game. So when is it right to have fans? NFL has recently allowed some stadiums and teams to have fans, but that's an outdoor game in an NBA and NHL arena is indoors. How can you do social distancing indoors versus outdoors? I know in the winter, you can't really have any outdoor games, and basketball is weird to have uh, outdoors, but we got to do what we got to do to have fans and safety. Uh, safety is going to come first, but fans are going to want to come in as well. And like Jason mentioned, fans impact the game. There's no home court advantage in a bubble. Uh, the Miami Heat were the five seed. Uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals was the three seed Celtics, five seed Heat rarely ever happens when both one and two seed are not in the East uh, con- conference finals. So home court makes a whole difference and having no fans does as well. We've also heard some NHL news this week. Tory Krug, the Boston defenseman, has been traded to St. Louis on a seven-year, $45.5 million deal. Jason, I want to know your thoughts on how the Bruins can recover from this big loss. It's definitely a big loss. Uh, we all knew Tory Krug was a big market player in free agency. A lot of teams were rumored to get him. The Bruins did not have much cap, so we were expecting him to go. But to go to a contending team that made the playoffs this past year and a team that won the Stanley Cup Finals the previous year in the St. Louis Blues, especially a team that has a big rivalry with the Boston Bruins, it definitely hurts as a Bruins fan. Uh, Krug... I think he was our best defenseman this past year. He has, um, He's great on the power play. He's our lone defenseman on the power play, and he has uh, many assists, some goals, uh, some big hits. He's just a big impact player that you need on the ice. And now the Bruins, they don't really know who their number one defenseman is going to be. In my opinion, Charlie McAvoy has to have a breakout year um, to help fill uh, Krug's spot. But... They're going to need some more depth at the defenseman spot. We saw them re-sign Kevin Miller to a one-year, $2 million deal a few days ago. He was injured this past year, but is he really going to replace Krug with that sixth defenseman spot? I don't really think so. They need to make some big moves. I don't think it's time to blow the team up just yet because of the great uh, offense with uh, line one. They call it the perfection line, Marshan, Bergeron, Pasternak. Uh, probably one of the best lines in hockey. And they just need to find that sixth defensive spot. Does it mean making trades? Probably. Does it mean um, clearing some cap? Yes. So they just need to fill the spots. There's going to be some sacrifices made. 
But if the Bruins want to be back in Stanley Cup Finals contention, that is what they need to do. I 100% agree with you. Cap space is definitely big, and they need to find someone to replace him. Who is going to replace him? That is going to be the big question moving forward. Uh, MLB uh, has not had any positive cases lately and was one of few leagues to not have a bubble, but they're still doing well. They finished the season, and the playoffs are going right now almost over as well. Uh, we've had some predictions. Uh, I predicted the Dodgers to win. Jason predicted Astros in seven over the Dodgers. And Cam, uh, who cannot be here if us, as uh, predicted Dodgers win in six games over the Rays. Um, Jason, your thoughts. How come you chose the Astros and what, what can they do uh, to win? Well, I, the reason I chose them is because I think they can redeem themselves from uh, the cheating scandal. Uh, I'm not really sure, like, what happened. Like, we saw, like, all those firings with, like, Alex Cora, who was a member of the team. He was fired as uh, the Red Sox uh, manager. And um, the I think that um, the Astros, they need to prove to themselves that they can win without this, quote-unquote, cheating. Um Jose Altuve, he has looked amazing the past few years. MVP candidate, as always. I like Carlos Correa, George Springer. Those guys can hit a lot of home runs. And um, pitching has taken a hit this year. But um, they're looking at, with the Yankees out and with the, a lot of those injuries this year, Astros have looked like the best team in the American League. And the Dodgers, definitely a powerhouse team, bringing in Mookie Betts this offseason from Boston. But I think that the Astros are going to play out of their minds and prove to themselves that they can win it all. Like Jason mentioned, um, Mookie Betts has, uh, was traded uh, to the Dodgers this year, and I predicted the Dodgers to win. They were the best team in baseball this year, and unlike the NBA and NHL, they don't have a bubble. So being the number one scene, does have an advantage. They get to play at their home stadium. And I think they are going to win, unlike the number one seeds in both the NBA and NHL. Moving on to the NFL, there's been big news this week. Uh, head coach of the Texans, Bill O'Brien, uh, Massachusetts native, has been fired by the Texans. And they went 0-4 start of the season. Deshaun Watson has not looked the same. What do you think what what has the gone wrong with the Texans organization this year? It's obviously been um the DeAndre Hopkins trade. I mean, that was definitely um huge loss for the Texans. Sure they have Deshaun Watson. A lot of people think he's one of the best quarterbacks in football. JJ Watt, one of the best defensive linemen in football. But DeAndre Hopkins, he is um just a huge part. Um he was a huge part to the Texans success. In years past, he is able to catch like anything. He gets very little drops, uh, and he's he's got like a big, tall body. He'll always catch it over those small cornerbacks, and it's just a big loss for Deshaun Watson. He, I will admit that he is trying his best. He played an amazing game last week against Minnesota. Fortunately, he didn't come up on top, but.
but Watson is making some unbelievable throws with the limited um, receiving core. They only have uh, like Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, Brandon Cooks. Those guys are solid receivers, but they should not um, be like fighting for a number one spot as your top wide receiver. They need an elite receiver on that team. The defense has been all right. They need some work there, but I'm more concerned with Deshaun Watson's options because he is trying his hardest and he just doesn't have anyone to throw to. Yes, the loss of DeAndre Hopkins was huge for the Texans organization. Deshaun Watson just has not that big target to throw to anymore, and uh, teams can just target Will Fuller or other players that wouldn't that uh, that they wouldn't usually because they would be on Hopkins. And the Arizona Cardinals have taken full advantage of him. Kyle Allen um, has been really good. He was a rookie last year. He was phenomenal. And this year, he's gotten better and has better weapons. And that NFC West has turned into um, a crazy division that you do not want to face. And unfortunately for the New England Patriots, they are going to face that uh, division. We saw in week two, they lost to the Seahawks. Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson and company crazy offense they'll have to do that against 49ers and Jimmy G Raheem Monster uh Debo Samuel George Kittle their offense is crazy Arizona with Allen and Hopkins and the Rams with Jared Goff and his weapons they did lose Todd Gurley this year but that division is crazy Jason I want to know uh what you think uh the Texans can do now that they don't have Bill O'Brien at the head? And do you think they will uh, win some games without him? It's uh, very unlikely that they'll make the playoffs this year because the Colts have looked really good. They've had the best defense in football. And, of course, the Titans have played amazing. Ryan Tannehill has thrown so many touchdown passes this year. Seen a breakout year from tight end Janu Smith after Delaney Walker – getting cut by the team. And of course, Derrick Henry uh, tied with Aaron Jones of the Packers last year for leading the league in rushing touchdowns. That team has a stacked offense. Defense needs some work, but going back to the Texans, I don't see them winning more than like seven games this year. They do have a tough schedule. I mean, I know that they play the Jaguars uh, twice this year and I believe they play them this week, but um I just don't see the Texans getting that success. Their two stars, uh, Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt, are great. But who are they going to have outside of that? David Johnson at running back? Not really. So I think that they need to do a bit of rebuilding, but they should keep their main pieces in Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt and rebuild around them. It could take a few years, but um, I think that Deshaun Watson could be a top-five quarterback in the future, and he could go down as – Uh, one of the better quarterbacks of this era. David Johnson was good in Arizona, but he's not great. We hope you've enjoyed so far listening to this episode. And if you're new and uh, you haven't checked out our Instagram, uh, Jason, can you tell them where you can find us on Instagram? Yes, just follow us. It's called cbj.sports. We'll be posting on our story a lot of sports news, 
some updates on the podcast and a lot of other things to do with sports. So make sure you go to follow that. It's cbj.sports. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. Yes, please follow us on Instagram. Please subscribe to both me and Jason's YouTube channel or uh, follow us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. And if you've always been listening on YouTube or always listening on uh, podcasts, why don't you try out the other one for a chance? It's uh, sometimes nice to see our faces and using the podcast is great for on the road. Uh, we're almost out of time, but we wanted to add a quick little uh, MLS segment, mo- mostly about the Revs. Uh, I've got my uh, Revs shirt on. Uh, go New England Revolution. They've got a game this afternoon. So our predictions were pre, uh, pre-game. I am going to predict uh, a 2-1 win. Uh, they, the Revs are at NYCFC. They play at Yankee Stadium. Probably, I would say, the worst stadium in MLS. It's the tiniest, smallest stadium, uh, soccer stadium. And you can't really play soccer in a baseball stadium. I predict 2-1 Revs goal from Bo and Tejon Buchanan. Uh, but there may not be, we may not be seeing Bo tonight uh, as he picked up a small knock this week and was forced to miss this Wednesday's 1-0 loss to TFC. Uh, my prediction, if he doesn't uh, play because of that injury, I'm going to predict Buxa and Tejon. Lee Wynn, if he scores one assist, he will be the first one of the first few players in Revolution history to have 50 goals, 50 assists, and... Diego Fagundes recently has uh, made 255 or 56 appearances already, and he has surpassed Matt Reese for the lead uh, appearances in Revolution history. Congrats, Diego, on that achievement. Jason, what's your prediction? Right, I'm not big of an MLS guy, but I'm following the Revs a lot. I got a 2-2 draw. Obviously, it depends on Gustavo Bo's health. But if he plays, he's a high-volume scorer. I know he can put one in. And also, like Brandon mentioned, Lee Wynn, if he gets one assist, he'll um, break. He'll get the 50-goal, 50 assists for the Revs. I also have him scoring a goal. There's a good chance he gets an assist, too. But uh, Lee Wynn has always been a great player. Really happy to have him back as he um, was out from Inter-Miami back to the Revs recently. And um, assuming both starts, I think the Revs can uh, – maybe draw this one. They do have a chance to win, but NYCFC a few points higher than them in the Eastern Conference standings, so we'll have to see. Yep, NYCFC, they've been really good. They started very slow this year. Uh, We saw that the MLS is back tournament. We thought they were not going to be a contender in the East, but since they have a return from MLS uh, is back in Orlando, they have been a really good team, and uh, recently, they came up to New England about a month ago, uh, knocked a 2-0 win here in Gillette, and then a few weeks ago had a 0-0 draw. We've had a lot of draws, a lot of, um, in the series. This uh, this team has only been in league since 2015, so it's not as big as our Red Bull rivalry, but it's still a big rivalry, New England, New York. That's going to wrap up uh, our episode as I mentioned, Revs uh, lost on Wednesday. You've heard about the Pats uh, 
lot this episode. They lost to KC on Monday. Brian Hoyer was the starter. Then Jared Stidham came in. Well, uh, well, no one will play this because they are had some positive tests. Stephon Gilmore tested positive, and we will see if Cam Noonan can return for Week Six. If he doesn't, we'll probably see either Stidham or Hoyer. Uh, the Bruins uh, NHL draft happened this week. They drafted four players, two forwards, two defensemen. Like we mentioned earlier, Tory Krug was traded, and uh, we'll see what they can. Uh, do without that and they also re-signed Kevin Miller to a one-year two million contract as well. Ron Ranke one year at the helm uh, has been uh, stepping down from manager uh, part ways uh, both agreed to part ways and like Jason mentioned we lost Alex Cora due to the Houston scandal which was why we got Ron Ranke uh, but his time is done here in Boston, and hopefully uh, in a few weeks we will know who the next manager of the Boston Red Sox is. That's it for episode 10. Jason, any last final words from you? Just not much. Um, big things going on this week. Uh, some big MLS games. Uh, Stanley Cup Finals is over. Now we have free agency, and the draft has happened. Uh, Baseball, like we mentioned, playoffs, NBA finals um, tonight, game six. And, yeah, some big NFL games today. And if that uh, NBA goes game seven, that will be tomorrow night, uh, back-to-back games uh, in the NBA finals. That's it. He's Jason. I'm Brandon. Thanks for listening to the CBJ Podcast. See you next time.